The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a cold, cold morning? Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. I'm your host, Horticulture Spelder Rushing. Our producer is the awesome Java Chapman. The next hour or so, we're going to be talking about gardening. Coming up today's first broadcast of 2018, I'm going to give you a heads up on some stuff you can be doing in this somewhat miserable southern winter weather and share a few interesting emails. But we're live here at MPB. In addition to some really cheesy music coming up in about 30 minutes, I'll be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's a live program, folks. So sit back and join us as we're taking a few minutes of news before starting this informal party. We're here to MPB called the Gestalt Gardener. Now let's start getting dirty. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Again, horticulture is still rushing. And man, oh man, I know it's been cold for almost everybody. Java, was it cold enough for you this week? It's been too cold, Felder. I don't, I'm not a, I'm a truly Mississippi guy. And this cold has messed up my whole psyche. I mean, it was it was down. I mean, it, it was the, the, the iguanas down in South Florida are dropping out of trees. Iguanas, I just I just saw that, Phil. I said that's crazy. It's so cold that the lizards are just they just go they kind of going splat. I'm sorry. It's it's a whole new thing. Hey, who'd have thought that we'd ever be glad it's getting down to only the upper twenties tonight? Yeah, I mean the anyway. sub zero freezing temperatures. I'm I'm imagining nothing is growing right now. No, well, we'll have forgotten about a lot of this come July, uh, and uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I'm sure people have a lot of calls. That, hey, I forgot to ask uh, back before Christmas. How did a little Java school play go? Was uh, this his first one? Yeah, this was his very first play, and it went awesome, man. He had he had the very first speaking part. He did the welcome, and he he knocked it out the park, man. We were so we were so proud. You need to bring him in. Let him be an associate producer sometime. Now he can come in and do like some. Uh, if we listen, let him listen to the billboard once or twice, he could come and do your whole spiel. <laughs> Wouldn't <laughs> you know? That might not be a bad idea. I mean, it's better than the cheesy music I've got picked out for today. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you you pick a, a, a good thing. I don't. This is a cheesy on another <laughs> level, Felder. We got it's about thirty it minutes cheesy on another level. Yeah, we're going to be talking about two two different versions of of ice. But I won't go any further on that. Uh, hey, you know this. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, I, I try to keep up with things that are going on, and right now we're really well into National Mail Order Gardening Month. You know, this is something that that gardeners have done for a uh, hundred years or more. We've always looked for the garden catalogs and 
of course, we do a lot of stuff online, but this is National Mail Order Gardening Month, and I suggest if you're really interested in ordering some interesting new varieties of plants, new types of vegetables or, or cutting-edge flowers, uh, maybe the All-American Selections, probably need to go online or pick up those magazines, garden catalogs pretty soon because a lot of these new things sell out pretty quickly. So do a lot of heirloom plants. And there's several online companies that, that offer good, sturdy heirloom plants. But anyway, we could talk about all that kind of stuff. Um, I would like to mention before we get too much further into it, some upcoming events. I love to share any kind of garden events. If you've got any, call us or shoot us an email. Um, and I'll give the email address in just a little while. But I'm already scheduled to make some uh, presentation around the region to, you know, some garden clubs and master garden groups and uh, library talks. Uh, but if you know of a group interested in having me do a fun program, get in touch. Uh, I'd love to custom craft something for you, you and your neighbors. Anyway, next Thursday, uh, we're going to go to Loosedale down in George County, or up in George County, depending on where you are. Uh, outside the library uh, in Loosedale is a historic marker that says Loosedale or George County is an ornamental nursery capital of Mississippi. They've been growing plants wholesale there since the 1890s. Anyway, George County Master Gardeners are, are, want to invite the general public, anybody interested, in a presentation on growing orchids. This could be uh, Thursday, January the 11th. One o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be at the Extension Center, uh, which, if you're familiar with Loosedale, it's in the corner of Highway 63 and 198, kind of on the east side of Loosedale. Uh, Joanne Vaz is a local orchid expert. She could be sharing information and interesting facts about uh, growing and enjoying orchids. Uh, again, if you've got some other things uh, you like, I mean, now shoot me an email. Uh, the only things I've got coming up anytime soon, February the 10th, is the annual uh, home fruit seminar. I, I uh, help the folks at Hutto's with is all about choosing and selecting the best kind of fruit plants and the best varieties of these high growing for our part of the country. And on February the 14th on, on the Valentine's Day, I'm going to be doing a library talk in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Plenty of time to talk about those. If you got some, go ahead and shoot us some. Uh, if you want to give us a call, it's a live program, but um, before we get into those, let me, let me ask, you know, it's been really super cold. I guess that'll be what we talked about the most this morning, uh, although there's not much we can do about it right now. My garden is solid ice. I mean, even if it gets above freezing, it's so cold that the ground is cold. Uh, it's going to be interesting over the next few days, especially next week, a little bit warmer, to see what's made it and what only looks alive until it thaws out. I know it's not going to hurt most of my daffodils. They look kind of rough. And my shrubs, but uh, we'll see how hardy the pansies and the violas are uh, the Swiss chard and kale. Let's see if they thaw and keep growing or thaw and just turn into mush. We don't know. Uh, there are a couple of things you can do this weekend. Uh, you can help frozen plants, believe it or not, with water. Uh, if you'll go in water, because the ground freezes, plants can't absorb water, and they actually dry out, especially when the sun comes out. So even though the above-ground temperatures may be above freezing, if the ground is frozen, plants can't uh, absorb water. So water your plants. Uh, to help them absorb a little bit of water so that they can replace what dries out in the cold wind and the winter sunshine. And uh, over the next uh, month or so, I think it's a real good idea to go out and check the lower trunks, the trunks down close to the ground, within a few inches of the ground, and things like azaleas, pittosporum, uh, some of those kind of plants, uh, because what happens when the when their, their sap freezes, it can bust the bark or burst the bark, whatever, you know, bust or burst. Anyway, the bark splits. And if that happens, 
The plants will look okay until they put out new growth in the spring from stored up food. Then all of a sudden they're going to jump. They're going to just blow it out. So if the bark is split on azaleas, pittosporum down close to the ground, believe it or not, if if you prune down below that, it really boogers the plant up. But they can put out new growth from below there and survive. If you don't, they'll leaf out in the spring. They'll suck the cell dry and they'll die bitter in the doorknob. So anyway, check the lower trunks for burst bark, especially on azaleas and pittosporum and a few other plants. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's toll free. I know you got some stuff on your mind, but if you want to chat with me or if you've got some ideas to kick around or some things that, that you want to uh, really just uh, to, to chew the fat about, give us a call. It's, a, it's an opportunity to talk to somebody who's not a know-it-all, uh, that has heard a lot, and uh, and I'm pretty open for things. I, I don't have a, a real hardcore uh, personal approach towards how you guard. You know, how I guard and how you guard may not be the same, and some people uh, like to do certain things that other people don't. Some people criticize each other for doing different kind of things. But whatever is on your guarding mind, I'll give it my honest, best scientist, but also hands-on gardening uh, advice. And, of course, anytime I say something that you may have some take umbrage with, uh, you can call us up. We'll talk about it, too. I'll try to be as nice as I can unless I just really, really know for sure. Anyway, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Got the lines open and ready to take some calls anytime you are. Uh, by the way, uh, Java, uh, I don't know that that uh, many people know, but there's an official color of every year. Are you aware of the official color of the year? No, I didn't know. They We're only a couple of days <laughs> into 2018. They gave it to us already. That's right. You know, what better way to warm a frigid day and kick off the new years with something new to try out in the garden? Not many people think of me, Java, you know this, as being trendy or a follower, but I do like to experiment every year and try to to, uh, to keep the ennui at bay by working on something new. And to me, the easiest, one of the most fun ways is to add something in my garden that's the official color of the year. And before we, Let me throw this out. There's a, an institute called the Pantone Color Institute. They're sort of the big international uh, color experts. They come up with the color standards. So people in Japan, people in Canada, people in, in, in uh, South Africa, people in Mississippi, if we say we want something a certain color, they make sure that that's the color everybody knows. Anyway, um, they try to they, – they, they look for uh, how color influences how we think, uh, emotions, physical reactions, and they try to anticipate color fashion endorsing – New color every year, and uh, we've got a really good one. I think this year is going to be great. Um, I've used all sorts of stuff before, but uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Meanwhile, let's go to the dot and do a good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. You staying warm today? Say again? Uh, you staying warm? It's supposed to get all the way up to 50 today. I know it is, and that's why I'm calling. I have a question about when I can cut back soft perennials that are laying on the ground now, like the agapanthus and the flax yeah. and things like that. Yeah, you can cut it back pretty much any time. It might be a little bit easier right now while they're still a little bit stiff because some of them going to get real mushy and nasty. If you wait too long, uh, they kind of melt and get gooey and nasty. So I'd get on as soon as you can before they, they, they really, you know, just start to disintegrate. 
But any okay, tell me this. Own- Do you think a weed eater would work for that? Um, if get right on it because if you wait, they're going to turn mushy, and all it's going to do is just splat stuff all over you. I mean, it'll splat stuff all the way up to your chest. So I go, I go ahead and do that as soon as possible, and use a you know rev it up really high and try to try to make it where it blows all the green gooey stuff away from you. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, let me let me throw this out because you may also have some lantana. Lantana is real bad about busting the bark. Some of these things you want to actually leave. Some of the dead stuff still sticking up, so I wouldn't cut everything right down to the ground. I'd leave a little bit because we still got some cold weather ahead, and leaving a little bit of mushy stuff on top can actually insulate the new stuff that's sitting there waiting for spring. So I wouldn't okay. cut it all the way to the ground. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. That's the start. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. All righty. All righty. Um, Anyway, when I was talking about the color of the year, you can give us a call, folks, one eight seven seven mpb ring We're going to take a little short break and come back and talk a little bit about more of the color of the year, but also your phone calls. That's what we're here for, not just to hear me yammer about stuff that some people may not just care about. Anyway, you want to give us a call. It's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm Horticulture's fellow Russian. Me and Java Chapman are going to take a quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardening on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Okay, folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Zelda Rushing. Before we take the next phone call, uh, I want to set up uh, kind of teasing about the color of the year. Java, you've been over to my house. I don't know if you remember that it's painted kind of purple. Um, it might, yeah, yeah, okay. The, for the, well, much, the front of the house or the cabin? The front of that, the whole big house is okay. purple. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, it's not. Uh, when my when my daughter Zoe was a teenager, I asked her to choose new colors for the house because it'd be painted. And uh, to my surprise, she went with pale lavender trimmed with dull pumpkin orange. Some people say it's purple and orange, but it's lavender and pumpkin. Anyway, it turned out to be more soothing than eye poking, and it kind of freed me up to experiment. So every year, whatever the color of the year is, I try to work it in somehow into my garden. Uh, one year I painted my front door this uh, 2012 color. It's called Tangerine Tango, kind of a warm orange. Uh, my cabin, the window all the way around it is reddish-brown Marsala from 2015. I've got a deck that's been... Uh, emerald one year, radiant orchid one year. But anyway, I'm going to share what the color of the year this year is. I'm really looking forward to it. Meanwhile, let's go to uh, Flora and talk with May. Good morning, May. How are you this morning? Good morning, Felder. I'm just fine enjoying your radio program. Thanks for being part of it. What's up? Well, I was listening to you talk about the winter vegetables and the freezing and how they would do And I thought I would share Uh that a gardening neighbor brought me a bouquet of kale leaves. Uh, Yeah. 
sitting on the patio, and it froze. So uh, I noticed it, brought it in the house, put some fresh cold water in it, and it revived uh-huh. like it was fresh pig. Yeah. Kale can take down to 10, even maybe zero. I've seen kale growing uh, up in Kentucky over the wintertime. But, you know, the problem, and I've got uh, three different kinds of kale. I've got Swiss chard. What I'm worried about, May, isn't whether it could take cold, but sometimes we go from really warm to really cold really fast. And that's what's really rough on plants. But anyway, I'm fingers crossed. My kale looks okay, but my fingers are crossed it's going to keep on growing because I love how it just gets bigger and bigger through the wintertime. Well, I sure hope so, too. Enjoy that harvest, and I enjoy your program. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. So we got hope for the kale, at least, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. Thanks, May. Stay warm. You, too. Have a good day. All righty. Thank you. Our numbers are toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring And I've been sort of teasing folks uh, a little bit about the uh, the color, but meanwhile, let's go down to Picayune. Good morning, Philip. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you? So far, so good. What's up, man? Well, I um, I have a Madagascar palm, and he's about eight inches tall in a little pot in my house. Now, I was wondering, should I transfer him to a bigger pot this growing season, let him get a little bit bigger, or should I go ahead and plant him outside and let him uh, well, kind of do his own thing? I need to do a little research because I've, even though I've, I've written a whole chapter in a book in Florida on palms, I don't know, you know, palms go by different names. You know another name for Madagascar palm? Uh, no, sir, I don't. Um, I know it's, it almost looks like a cactus. You know, it's got a big stem yeah. and it has a lot of, uh, a lot. When I first, when I first saw it in the, at the uh, nursery, I thought it was a cactus, but the lady informed that's what she told me it was. And I did some looking at it online, you know, just some pictures to see. And they, they grow rather big. So uh, I, I, yeah. I well, wasn't sure what to do with well, it, I, you know. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm online right now trying to find out what it is. So until I know for sure, because there's a lot of plants that, you know, over the past 10 or 15 years, we've seen more and more plants being grown in Florida that are shipped north that are hardy in Florida but may not be hardy in Mississippi, even on, even on the Gulf Coast. So I, I really need to find out uh, for sure what a Masca, Mad, Madagascar palm is for I can really recommend. But i say what, if you'll either uh, stay tuned for the next little while or else um, uh, uh, shoot me an email. I'll find a little bit more about it. But I, I can't answer because I'm not sure what Madagascar palm is. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay, well, you know, I'm one of the few experts. I ain't gonna guess. You know, you know that. Yes, sir. Okay, thanks, man. Stay tuned. Maybe somebody help us out before I have a chance to Google this thing. You have appreciate your call, though. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know much about all sorts of stuff like this, Java, but I do have online. I'm just looking Madagascar palm up right now. Now, oh, Felder, but know, I will say that's what that's what make you special, man. Everybody wouldn't wouldn't let it be known that they did not know. Some some somebody out there would have tried to tell that man something. <laughs> would have tried to tell Philip yeah, well, something. I, yeah, well, I found out so far. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's called Pachypodium lamerii. <laughs> That didn't tell me anything about whether to grow outside the picky unit or not. But anyway, I'm looking at it, and it looks like a plant that is probably not going to be uh, uh, hardy outside. Madagascar is a tropical area, 
And uh, I'm just my, my my early guess is it's not going to uh, uh, grow outside. It says uh, it won't tolerate hard frost, and even a light frost, it'll drop its leaves. So you know, I guess I would answer this question by saying go ahead and put it in a slightly larger pot. I, I would never put any kind of succulent in a big pot because they can go a long time between soakings. But uh, I would put it outside uh, in a big pot and drag it in if it's going to get down below. I'm going to say. 28, 29, 30 degrees. Light frost, it might drop its leaves, but I plan on bringing it in during the wintertime. And that's just from a real quick little research thing there. So best I can do on that, folks. Uh, by the way, uh, I've been teasing folks about the color of the year. This year, uh, the Pantone Color Institute chose one called ultraviolet. Now, you know, when I think of ultraviolet, it's not something we, can, we can't see true ultraviolet. Although insects can see it, it makes patterns on flowers. When I think of ultraviolet, I think of uh, old black lights from uh, from from my, my earlier rock and roll days. Black lights. Some people might think bug zappers, but really, if you're thinking about uh, the color ultraviolet, if you were to Google it, you'd come up with something that looks a whole lot like wisteria. You know, it's not purple, it's not lavender, it's not blue, but it's sort of a pale lavender amethyst would be color, darker than purple. Uh, anyway, I think this would be kind of cool. Leonardo da Vinci wrote. Uh, a long time ago, that his contemplations were ten times more powerful if done while sitting in the violet light shining through a stained glass window. So uh, when we think of of, of, uh, of this particular color, violet, it's not just a counterculture, a grab for originality, but uh, I think it's kind of ironic that they choose something that represents counterculture <laughs> to the trend of the year. But anyway, it experiments. Uh, it symbolizes experimentation. Uh, a little creativity. So I think it's going to be kind of fun. I'm probably going to do uh, an outdoor chair or two, maybe some wooden chairs, or maybe an outdoor wall hanging with this kind of uh, ultraviolet, which is really more lavender. See what kind of flowers I can come up with, hoping it'll bring uh, some sunshine and harmony to my 2018 garden. Got any uh, callers on the line, sir? No, we might need to give them that number. I know we've been gone for a couple of weeks. They may not be used to us being back, Felder. We're back, man. Cold. As a matter of fact, it's nice and warm in the studio. This is the place to be. Uh, you know, even though I mean, it's still it's still freezing. Jackson is still freezing outside. It's going to get up to above freezing later this afternoon. But I'm going to wait till next week to see whether anything is really dead or just looking bad right now. Because even some stuff that looks terrible can perk back up after uh, two or three days of 40s and 50s, maybe a little bit of rain. So what we'll about the uh, what about the plants you always say can a dead person can grow? How are they doing about right about now? <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it is kind of a lot of the plants in my you know over the years because I'm gone a lot and I'm lazy and it's hot and I'm tired and old and did I say lazy? I, I, any kind of plant that needed a whole bunch of care, gradually I've replaced them all with plants that are really tough. And a lot of them you'll find growing in cemeteries like. Nandinas and camellias and crepe myrtles and junipers and daylilies. So there's a whole lot of plants in my yard that they don't care if it gets to be 10 degrees or 110 degrees. They're going to do fine. It's those in-between things like my violas and my Swiss chard that I'm worried about. And ain't nothing I can do except just wait and see, wait and see. Hey, speaking of waiting and see, while we're waiting on some 
phone calls. You want to get in some cheesy music? Yeah, well, I got. I have it already queued up, so you go ahead and, and, and tell us okay. where this monstrosity well, comes from. <laughs> we will do that. It's because it's been so cold. I, I started to come up with something kind of cheery and warm, you know, like California sunshine or something like that, but I thought I'd go with a, a, a mixture I put together, probably irreverent, of a little uh, vanilla ice and a little of the weatherman talking about cold weather, but our phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. When we get through with this cheesy music, let's brighten it up some phone calls. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this ultra cheesy but super appropriate music. And uh, if you don't give us a call, I might have to play some more cheesy music. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, we're going to be talking about gardening every Friday and every Saturday right here. We'll remind you that we have all sorts of folks during the the middle of the week, Monday through uh, through Friday, talking about a lot of different kind of timely local topics. Um, now let's. Um, Let's see, I'm not sure who we've got to call her, but while we're waiting on that, I did get a little bit more on the Madagascar palm. It's not a palm. It's a succulent. Matter of fact, it looks more like a type of tall, yucca-looking thing with really sharp spines. This is the plant that I've seen in San Diego. I've seen in botanic gardens. It's got a big, thick trunk with huge, I mean, big, thorny-looking things on it. So uh, I don't believe it's going to stay outside in any part of Mississippi, even the pan part of it. Now, let's go to uh, Polly in Louisiana. Good morning, Polly. How are you this morning? I'm good. And yourself? So far, so good. What part of Louisiana? Uh, Covington. It's on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain. Oh, yeah. I know it well. I know it well. So what's, what, what, I've got a, a good friend who's, who, uh, who uh, is a landscape designer. But anyway, what can I help you with? Okay. After Katrina, I bought something from a nursery called a Russian olive. Is that the same yep. as Iliagnus? 
It is a type of eleagnus, but it's not the kind that we grow as a big shrub. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, well, I've just been curious about that. I hadn't been able to find eleagnus. Um, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong spot. Uh, no, it, there's, you know, there's several different species of, of eleagnus, and I, I can't remember the species name of it. It's not umbellata. Um, I can't remember what it is, but Russian olive is actually a pretty weedy uh, plant up north. It's not as much of a problem for us, but uh, here we go. Uh, Eliagnus angustifolia, silverberry, okay. Persian olive, wild olive. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's it, it could get it actually to be a small tree. Okay. And, um, so if you want to look it up, if you just Google Russian olive, you'll come up with Eliagnus angustifolia. Okay, great, great. Well, thank you for the info. Okay, good luck on it. Enjoy it. Okay, bye-bye. Alrighty. Okay, now, so for some reason, we, I guess uh, the coast must be thawing out quicker than everybody else. We'll get another call from down on the coast. Stuart's calling from Biloxi. What's up, man? Hey, Felder. Um, I was wondering when it's safe to uh, cut back my gardenia. And I have an old sweet olive that doesn't seem to produce as many blooms. Can I cut it back, and would that help it? Uh, well, you can cut these plants back. You can cut large shrubs back. It's called rejuvenation. And, I mean, there's some shrubs that I've had uh, that I've cut from, from six, eight feet tall down to just a foot tall. They sprout out new growth. If you do it this time of year, though, they're just going to sit there until spring. It takes a few weeks for the new growth to come out under the best of conditions. So I'd wait till a little bit closer to spring so when you cut it out, uh, when you cut it back, it doesn't wait as long before it starts putting out new growth. Plus, your neighbors aren't going to have as much time to talk about you because it's going to look funny. You <laughs> cut those down to a foot. Well, I, I mean, you can literally... Eight-year-old Holly Bush, they pretty much talk about me already. Um, yeah. And also, I have a lot... Uh, I guess it's called a wild rose. It's a, it's a vine rose, and it was destroying my back yeah. fence. It must be more than 20 I cut it way back. Is it safe to move it to another part of the yard? It is. How, how, how old was the plant? Oh, it's well over 20-something years old. Uh, it's going to be really hard to move a plant that big. Okay. Because, you know, if, if if you imagine, you've seen trees lower and how they you know, have big roots close to the trunk, and then the real important roots are way out there. Well, if you move yeah. the plant, you're going to... You can have nothing but shoulders and elbows left, no fingers, if that makes sense. Uh, you, to answer your question, this is the, the time to move it. Um, but I would also think about when it puts out new growth this next year to loop some of the stems down into the ground and back out. It's called layering and grow new plants that way. Okay. I love your show, hey, man. Really I listen to you all the time. Keep up the good work. Thanks for calling, man. Good luck on the roads. And don't worry about what the neighbors think. They're going to talk about you anyway. Cynthia. <laughs> okay, now let's go to uh, Andrea in Raymond, out just uh, just southwest of Jackson. What's up, Andrea? Well, I just need you to know, you know how your petunias, as they finish blooming in the summertime, they and you cut them on back, they'll have green that comes out. Yeah. Bottom. Well, mine are still yeah. like that. How come the frost hasn't killed them? Well, it, it, it might, yeah. You know, we we really can't tell. There's a lot of plants in in my garden that look perfectly fine. That, but after we get a little bit of warm weather, they're gonna, you know, they've got internal damage. It's not showing up just yet. But uh, petunias a little different. Petunias like to grow in cool weather. They grow all summer up north and in in in, in Europe, but they won't take the hard hard freezes they have up there. 
in the south, they don't like the middle of our summer, which is too hot. So they grow best in cool weather. They can tolerate some heat and some cold. It's just a matter of how much of either one. So, so when it's really hot, they're like, I'm tired of this. So I cut them back and they start growing out again. That's right. Uh, th- there are a few petunias that do, do okay for us. Uh, the one called uh, Purple Wave. You remember Purple Wave? Yeah, they love purple. All summer. Okay. Well, see, the one called Purple Wave had a lot and lots of flowers on it. It could take more heat than most other pansies, some of the hybrid pansies. Um, so a lot of times we cut the pansy back to get them through the hardest hot, cut them back to get them through the coldest cold, and hope for the best. So, and that's all we can do. But it's just a matter of, I would definitely cut them back regardless. Yeah, well, I'm just going to watch and see if they come back in the springtime. I'll let you know what they do. Well, I'll be surprised. Okay, but I would still cut them back because even if they sprout out, they'll sprout out towards the ends of the branches, the middle part will be real scraggly. It never comes amiss to cut a pansy back, I mean, not, not a pansy, a petunia back to just oh, three or four inches long and let it sprout out closer to the roots. It'll be a lot more so better that's what, regardless. That's what these are. These, these are, I had cut them all the way back in the late summertime when it looked like everything was yeah. dead and they just started coming back out green, and then now they're just sitting there. Yeah, well, if you cut them back a little bit, I'd throw a few loose leaves on top, you know, some tree leaves, just to kind of protect them, because it's going to get, I mean, we've got some cold weather ahead of us, and we don't want them to sprout out. And let's, you know, we if we get some warm we weather, they sprout back. What's yeah, that? we don't need any more cold weather now. <laughs> we've had enough. Yeah. Yeah, All well, right, you know, you. anyway, let, let's baby them. Thank you for your call. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, number, by the way, is toll-free. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm talking over everybody this morning. But meanwhile, let's go to Flowood and talk with Mary. Good morning, Mary. How are you doing? I'm good, Felder. How are you? So far, so good. Try to stay warm and dry. <laughs> right. Um, I like to can, and of all the things that I make, my husband's favorites are pear preserves. And yep. I've had a a free source of pears until this past year when the church decided to enlarge the sanctuary and they cut down the pear trees. So my question is, what kind of pear trees do well in the flowwood area that I can plant in our yard? That's a good question, and there's a lot of pears you could buy, but probably the number one, and I'm saying number one because it likes our cold weather, it likes our hot weather, it's somewhat resistant to diseases, and it's a good hard canning pear. It's called kefir. It starts with a K. Right. Kefir is an okay. old variety, and, and kefir will pollinate itself, too, so you only need one of them, which is nice. Oh. A second one, though, there's another one called Orient. Not oriental pears. That's a type of pear, but the pear called orient. So if you get one orient and one kefir and put them, you know, fairly close to each other, you'll have loads and loads of both canning and eating pears that are pretty disease-resistant and like the kind of weather we have in central Mississippi. Oh, great. Okay. Thank you so much. Those are two I start with. Those are two I start with. Appreciate your call. Okay. Rocking. You betcha. We're rocking and rolling this morning. Getting a yeah, bunch we of really calls. are. Um, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and just take a quick break because after the break, we got Janice, uh, Brian, and Mikey coming up. So we need to go take this break before we don't have a, a chance to. All right, let's do that, man. People are trying to stay warm. You know, this nice weekend ahead of us. Relatively nice weekend. You're going to get.
get outside and want to do some stuff, I would really wait. There's nothing that's got damage right now, unless it's really obvious you want to clean it up before it turns mushy. Mostly, I would just sort of take a wait-and-see approach, check the bark on, on shrubs, make sure that it hasn't split down near the ground, and uh, clean up the mushy stuff, but let's just wait on the rest and see what happens. I'm horticulturist fellow rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production, a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We appreciate the folks from Louisiana and Arkansas and Tennessee and Alabama joining in the fun, too. We'll take a quick break and come back with more of your calls right here on MPB with the Gestalt Gardener. By the way, our email, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture is still rushing with the color of the year. The official color of the year is violet. It's been associated with spiritual qualities and mindfulness practices. But interestingly enough, Scientists have shown that our exposure to real ultraviolet, UV rays, which can help insects and birds find nectar guys on flowers, it helps increase production of a thing called serotonin in humans. That's, uh, that's what helps bust the winter blues. You get winter blues, you feel kind of blah, seasonal affective disorder. That's from a lack of serotonin, which means you need to get out and get a little bit more sunshine. So if you feel kind of blue, you lost your sensation of happiness and well-being and serenity. If you can't get any sunshine, think about painting something ultraviolet in your garden this year. Meanwhile, let's go up to Amory. Let's talk with Janice. Hey, Janice, good morning. Good morning. Howdy, have, what's up? Uh, for eight years, I've had a little kitchen garden that I've realized I still have a lot to learn about. But for mm-hmm. 60 years, it was a cow pasture. And so I have a real <laughs> problem with weeds. And I want to, I've never used a pre-emergent. And do you recommend that? And when, when do you do that? Well, you know, there's different schools of thought, and I can go in either either direction. First of all, the pre-emerge that they use, some are just for grassy weeds, and some will, are, are for, for a, a, a broad spectrum of weeds, but they only work on the, the weed seeds. So some of your weeds are perennial. They come back from, from stems or rhizomes, you know, like Bermuda grass and nutgrass. Pre-emerge has no effect on those at all, just seeds. And if you want to use them, you need to, whichever one you go with, uh, and I can help you choose some if you shoot me an email. They need to be applied exactly according to directions because if you put them out and work them into your dirt, it bears it below the sea. It's not going to work. Some you put on top of the ground, lightly rake it in because the sunshine will break it down. See, so they're not that easy to use uh, unless you're experienced with them. Then it's real easy. Uh, to me, the best approach, though, if you've got a kitchen garden, which tells me kind of small, would just be start stockpiling bark and leaves and other mulch and when you work your dirt, plant stuff, just cover it with leaves. That works as well as any kind of pre-emerge by shading the seeds out. So mulch is a uh, is probably the most practical long-term solution for the weeds, and uh, also a good sharp hoe. But you know, a kitchen garden, you can keep it pretty deeply mulched, and uh, to me, that'd be a well. I have I have mulched it with pine straw in the last. Uh, no, but let me no, ask let's, you this: let's go. No. 
Pine, pine straw is good for covering up the dirt, but you have to put it four, five, six inches deep for it to have any real mulch effect, and then it doesn't break down. To me, it's a whole lot easier to use a shredded tree leaf or bark. It doesn't take as much. It does a better job of covering the dirt, and you can and it decomposes and works its way into the dirt. So pine straw is not the best mulch for, for, for weed control or to improve your soil. Okay, well, one more question, and, and I asked you this several shows ago. I have cedar pine, uh, cedar shavings that I use in my chicken uh-huh. coop, and yeah. you said to put that on there and let that break down. So if I went ahead and put that yeah. on there now, that would help with the weeds? Well, what I would do, rather than put it on now, I'd wait till after you work the dirt off, after you plant stuff, and then put it on top of the ground. And it'll work great. Uh, the shavings are really good, and they got just enough manure worked into it where they break down. Then I can take away from the nitrogen in your soil. So I would keep, I would stockpile them, and anytime you plant something, just as soon as you get through planting it, just cover that area up with uh, an inch or two of those those uh, shavings, and they'll do a, as, as well as any free emerge. Oh, fabulous! Thank you so much. Okay, I if you leave, if you'd like some. If you need a little bit more information about using pre-emerge, they're, they're tricky, but once you get the hang of them, they're not that big a deal. I'm not crazy about them, but they'll work in a big garden. Small garden, I think your mulch is the best bet. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. Appreciate your call, Janice. Okay. Now, we went from there all the way down to Lake Charles, Louisiana. I guess, Brian, are you in Louisiana? Uh, yes, I am. I'm just traveling on the road right now. Lake Charles has the distinction of, 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 it has a special place in my heart. I've got this old pickup truck that I drive. It's got a garden in the back, and I got an official government document from the Louisiana Highway Patrol in Lake Charles for going 81 miles an hour. So, you need, you know, when you get, when you get to Lake Charles, you drop it down to like 60 or something, so be careful. That's right. What's uh, up, man? What can I help you with? Well, I just wanted to know what's the best smelling flower that I can put in my garden that requires the least amount of maintenance. Uh, when you say your garden, you're talking about a landscape or vegetable gardens or what? Yeah, just right in the front yard, right in the front of my house there. Oh, man. i tell you what, I'm not trying to hedge on this, but, but there's several dozen really good ones. Like Java said earlier, there are plants that grow in cemeteries that dead people can grow. And I've got a really good list for the South. If you'll send me an email, it's got the, the, the trees, shrubs, perennials, you know, the flowers and the roses, the kind that do the best with zero to low maintenance, practically no care at all. If you'll shoot me an email, I'll send you a copy of that right on back. Okay, and, uh, and, and, and by the way, all the plants on it, some of them you might not be familiar with, but if you ever look them up, you'll say, oh, yeah, Aunt Mamie grew that or Mamma grew that. You know, you'll, every plant on there is pretty widely grown and real dependable in the south. Okay. And I, I had uh, one more question. I wrote down the keeper pear and the orient pear, um, but my pear tree in the backyard, it doesn't produce any more pears. I've tried everything. It just makes the about the size of the end of your thumb? Yeah. Well, what's, what's, happened, uh, what's happened, Brian, is whatever pair you bought, 
the grafted part, the part that you wanted, it died, and the rootstock sprouted out. The rootstock is a wild pear, like you see along the roadside, and they only have pears about the size, you know, anywhere from in a little finger to the side of the end of your thumb. So, the, so what's happened? The rootstock sprouted out, and the pear that you bought is long gone. Okay. So, I mean, it's not bad to leave it out there because it's a good pollinator. You know, so if you leave it out there, if you plant some of the other pears, that makes sure there's plenty of pollen to go around. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty plant when it blooms, got great fall colors, but uh, it's always going to have small pears. That's right. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. Good luck, Good work. Hands on the wheel. Hands on the wheel. Shoot me an email. All righty. Now let's go to uh, down to Mobile. Hi, Mikey. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, forgive me, I have not. I have somewhat of a bass voice because the local crowd is spreading. <laughs> yes, it um, is. What can we help you with? I'd like to thank you for telling me about um, uh, the National Mail Order Month thing. Uh, my question is, um, if you can help me, the catalogs with with which I've checked so far, I cannot find the seeds for Callaloo. Um, can you tell uh, me where to look, or best of all, can you tell me what kind of a catalog that I could order by phone? What what what's the plant again? Callaloo. I believe it's um, jeez oh, um, it, oh, it's a it's a very tropical plant. C a l l a l o o. I believe. Um, Callaloo. Summer I, green. I just looked it up. Summer green. Oh, I'm looking at. It. I've never seen Callaloo before. It's like a. It's a Caribbean dish. Yes, um, sir. Yes, sir. That's the word I was looking for. Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just not familiar with. It. I looked at it real quick, and I, I'm not familiar. With it, but it, it is a, a summer green looking thing. Anyway, to answer your question, the best thing I could do is, would be to recommend just do a word search: Callaloo seeds or Callaloo plants. There, well, I don't have a computer right now. Um, well, uh, is there is there uh, since it is National Mail Order Month? Um, what's the best way to find things for your area in print aside from maybe calling the, um, the local? Um, uh, I'm sorry. The, the well, what what I, what I do if if, well. if if okay, a couple couple of things. First of all, if you'll call the Botanic Garden, they may have some people, or or, or call Bill Finch. Uh, they, uh, they may know of a local uh, 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 community that shares these kind of plants. A lot of times the, the, the ethnic-type plants are available uh, in small groups that share, share seeds and plants, uh, and they might be able to find some through a plant swap or, or, or something like that. But other than that, what I do personally, if I can't get it locally, I go online you know, and, and, and look for a source and order it that way. That's and, you know, and if you don't have a computer, you know the library. They can help you out with it right there. Or call the extension service and ask them to, to help you find it. Anyway, that's the best I can do. That's what I do. Uh, but anyway, a lot of – if it's a Caribbean dish or a, or a South southeastern Asian dish, a lot of times there's local communities that grow these plants and be glad to share them. Uh, meanwhile, let's go now to uh, to Madison and talk with Prentice. Good morning, Prentice. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's a little, a little cool, but cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am uh, trying to plant um, an edible landscape uh, uh-huh. that will include, you know, forest and then, you know, around the house, um, and I'm looking for, uh, I've been looking at uh, Midwestern pomaculture, um, 
and I'm looking for something that would be an equivalent uh, resource for okay. big well, zones. So well, uh, to plant let, trees. Let, let, me back, let, mm-hmm. let me back up just a little bit and mention this. Permaculture is an artificial word for what people did for centuries and still do in a lot of poor areas where they grow as much of their own stuff sustainably, you know, using compost and local fruits and vegetables and herbs. And permaculture is a, a word that they came up with to invent a movement and sell books. All it is is good gardening. So don't worry about how they do it in the Midwest or California or China or England or, or South It's just good gardening using a variety of things that produce food, and growing it sustainably using composting and, you know, rain barrels. In other words, just the way our great-great-grandparents had to garden. So don't don't get confused with all the terminology. It's just good plants grown well in good dirt with mulch and compost and stuff like that. In, in, in a nutshell, that takes a mystery out of it. And if you would send me an email, I could give you a list of the easiest home fruits, shrubs, trees, vines, uh, perennials that have edible stuff that work well as just regular garden plants that are easy to grow and you can eat off of. That's what my culture is. It's just local good gardening, and I can help you with that. Thank you. I will email you today. Okay, and again, don't worry about all you. When you go online, get, get people like me can't just say, you know, for example, composting. They don't say, you know, instead of saying, uh Thermophilic bacteria and carbon nitrogen ratio and pile it up. It's got to be this big. You got to do this. It's a leaf pile. That's all the compost is. So let me help take some mystery out of all the stuff that people come up with a lot of words to say, and let's keep it as simple as possible. That's what gestalt gardening means. So uh, let, let's let's relax a little bit and add one or two things at a time and have fun with it. Hello. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, you bet. Appreciate your call. I know what sometimes, folks, it sounds like that I'm oversimplifying things, but that's what it is. It's one thing at a time. Let's go to you, look. I think we got time to talk real quick with Maddie before the end of the program. What's up, Maddie? Yes, I have a real pretty rose that grown real tall. That I want to, you know, how you draft the rose, people, you can cut a rose yeah. and make more roses. Right. How do you do that? It's real. It's easier than you think, but keep in mind, uh, all you take is cuttings off of it that are about the size of a pencil. You know, you and I are old enough to remember what pencils are. You don't want it that skinny stuff on the end or the big, thick stuff, but look at this, you know, the branches out there that grew last year, and get some pieces that are not quite as big around as a pencil and about that long, and go out and stick them in a sunny flower bed. Stick them uh, about halfway in some flower bed, pile some leaves around them. And for every... Three or four that you stick, at least one of them's going to turn into a rose. That's where they've just been sticking branches in the ground. And if you want some more detail about it, using some like root stimulators and all that, we can do that if you want to. Anyway, going to be back next week. We can talk more about it then. The Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer, the laid-back Java Chapman. We're going to be talking about gardening every Friday and Saturday. I'm your host, Felder Rushing. I know that just after a week of 2018, we're starting to think summer ain't bad, but it will be. Take advantage of what we have, whatever it is. 
Here's hoping for a great new year. Take a walk, a drive, see what's doing great by this cold spell. Let's compare notes in July. While you at it, take a kid outside, see if you can find an opportunity indoors or out to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Thank you.